Welcome to episode 72 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me tonight are Matt Cassell. Good evening. And Darcy Mahaffey. Hello again. You'll notice I didn't say the name Ian Sharpley, because he can't make it tonight. We're not really sure why. Oh, football. It's kind of a mystery. But, uh... There's no way of knowing. Darcy has stepped up to the plate at the 11th hour... Uh, to come join us or step up to the line of scrimmage, I guess is probably a more appropriate uh, uh, thing to say tonight. It is Monday night, September 8th, 2014, and tonight we're going to give you a little fall preview. Comics, movies, TV shows, what's coming up in the pre-winter months to satiate your nerd needs? As, As the seasons begin to cool off and you know you're looking for a little bit of refuge from the from the chilly air what better way wait i'm starting with um housekeeping by the way what? <laughs> that's what i thought was happening <laughs> I, I jumped the gun false start right ian anyway that was, that was it sounds like housekeeping what a little pre-ejaculate for you <laughs> what better way to warm the cockles of your heart than by visiting mcsauce.com. I feel like hard cockles are more of a winter thing. Well, these are like really chilly fall months. Is this like preparatory? Here's something. Warming. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh. Yeah, pre cockle warming. Um. You know, I was thinking, we had a really hot day last week. Where it was like in the 90s, I, I want it. Maybe it was 90 degrees. <clears throat> and I thought, do you realize that next month we're probably going to see snow? Oh, isn't that insane? <sighs> while I was, while I was not riding a ride at Kennywood Amusement Park this past weekend. What's Kennywood? It's an amusement park in the West Mifflin, Pennsylvania area. For those listeners outside of the greater Pittsburgh metropolitan area. Um, while I was while I was sitting on a park bench at the park, uh, I was talking to this guy who was there, and he said he bought this year's farm, Farmer's Almanac, and mm-hmm. this winter is going to be just like last winter. Cold as shit. Which was oh, awful. Super cold. That. Like, winter is coming cold. Snow every day. Well, you're going to need some... Now. You're going to need some practice warming those cockles. And what better way of doing it than visiting McSauce.com? What can you do there? You can check out new strips every Tuesday and every Friday, done by the incredibly talented Paul McGinty and equally talented, but just not quite as timely, Ian Sharpley. (laughs) You can also check out reviews every... Every Monday morning? Every Monday morning. sometimes Thursday. Sometimes Sunday. Thursday. Thursday. Sunday, nothing happens, folks. Right. Behind the scenes happens on Sunday. Sunday is a whirlwind of behind the scenes. Correct. No no day of rest for McSauce. Um, If that's not enough, check out the the podcast. We can be found on different outlets like Like, iTunes, Stitcher Stitcher Radio, Radio, like Automatic. Automatic. Can you let me finish? So go to any of those venues, check us out, McSauce, 
official Mixos comic book podcast. Um, and if that's not enough, you can you can come and meet us live in person this September uh, the twenty sixth. My my notes have disappeared. The 26th, the 27th, and 28th at the Pittsburgh Comic-Con in lovely Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Uh, there you will be able to meet us in person, give us your... While while we want to hear your reviews man-to-man, we'd also really like to, to see your reviews <clears throat> posted on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Um, really doesn't matter what you say as long as you give us five stars. We would love to hear from you. It's been a little while, so Exhaust listeners, your homework for this week, write a review. Please, please, for the love of God in heaven almighty, please write a review. Please. <laughs> so <clears throat> Matt will show you his cockles if you do. And, and don't forget to plan for the October 12th Half Pittsburgh event. In Lawrenceville, where we will oh, be on a panel with two other podcasts, uh, the Nerd Exchange and Shithutu. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a debate, correct? I believe so. Um, we need to sit down and get all the details ironed right. out for it, but it'll be October 12th, uh, that, that Sunday afternoon. And uh, I, I, I assume we've been given DC. So we're, we we're, we're coming to the table DC. to defend DC Comics and, and tell the, the listening, the live studio audience, why it is a better company than Brand X. So if you want to come out to Lawrenceville, see what we do in person. That's right. Paul and I will be representing uh, the McSauce brand. Um Ian Sharpley's still kind of a question mark if he wants to make it or not. Um, but yeah, come on out for that. Now, um, before that, obviously, like I said, come to the Pittsburgh Comic Con, meet us, greet us, say hello, and also get a get a commission, a $5 commission from, uh, as I noted earlier, the incredibly talented Paul McGinty. He's going to be doing uh, $5 commissions, but what we would like, if you can... Send us a, a note on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever. Heck, even drop it off in one of your reviews that I'm sure you're going to do. But let us know ahead of time what you want for your commission, uh, who you want to do it. Paul's going to do them. Ian's going to do them. They're $5 a piece. Paul, will you be drawing anything? Anything you want. Anything you want. There are absolutely no limits whatsoever. You want tentacle porn? Got it. Wide open field. Darcy, what would you like if you were going to get a $5 commission? I were to get a $5 commission. I want to see... I'm trying to think of the most insane thing to have you draw. I want to see K-9 from Doctor Who. You hate Doctor Who. I want to see K-9 being humped by another dog. By a real dog? By a real dog. Like Toto? Like Toto or Lassie. You know what? That's what I want. I, yeah. you know, I thought we brought Darcy here to class the place up, but just tearing it down. I've, I've drawn... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to fill Ian's void. I've drawn myself and Ian riding Falcor pantsless with lightsabers. So anything 
I'm ready for. Now, I'd hate to speak for Ian since he's not here tonight, but what you know, just to help get the listeners' creative juices flowing, think about what they might want. Is, do you feel that Ian's probably willing to draw anything they want to, or do you think that he has some reservations, maybe some self-imposed restrictions? What do you think? He's probably keeping his fingers crossed for girls. He likes drawing girls? Yeah. Is that his okay, strong suit? this is suit? what I want Ian to draw me. Ian, when you go back and listen to this, I want to see He-Man. Be careful. And Duncan dressed as furries. And doing furry stuff. You know what? Speaking of furries, if I was going to go to <laughs> Anthrocon, I would want to go as Battle Cat. That would be a good thing. <clears> that would be pretty cool. I went as Battle Cat for Halloween Lions when I was a kid. Awesome. <laughs> pretty furry. <laughs> no, I'd like to think it was full, full furry costume. Well, anyway, I believe that about covers it for... Um, for our housekeeping this week. Oh, uh, I'm also going to do commissions, but I'm not doing them for $5 because it takes me longer. So I'm doing $20 commissions. Uh, I can't promise... Is a little more labor-intensive. I can't promise they're going to be any better, like $15 better than Paul's or Ian's, but if you want to collect all three of the McSauce founders uh, commissions, you're going to have to pony up 30 bucks. That's just the way it... That's just the way it's got to be. That happens. And I will not draw anything you want. It's... It's... it's <laughs> very, there's a whole approval process that has to go through the board, and we'll just... You know, we'll have to take each each uh, suggestion on a case-by-case, case, but... So, yeah, let me know. That's Lil Depressed Matt at Twitter. I believe that's how Twitter works. At Lil Depressed Matt. Twitter at Lil Depressed Matt? No, no just, at, just at Lil So Depressed nothing Matt. comes before at. You go to Twitter and then you type it's in. It's at Lil Depressed yeah, Matt. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You're like my grandpa. Fucking <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> I, I just don't use it that much. So why don't we put that uh, up and down housekeeping to bed? I thought that was pretty up. That was a pretty good housekeeping. It was right. A couple stops and starts. Yeah. Couple. We'll couple get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do next week, too. Okay. Sharply right. might be back, but let me, you know, because if I could do it like one week to the next, I might have something going. More practice. Yeah, right. Like, I wasn't, because you know Sharply sits in front of the mirror, like, for two hours before every episode, and he recites it. Over and over, and he's always like, no, dude, that was just right off the cuff. But we know. He's a professional. He is, but he, he acts like it's totally off the cuff. Like, he's in the, he's no improv genius. Isn't that what the best professionals are? They make it look natural? Yes. He lies about it. What do we have coming up this fall in the way of general nerd entertainment? Well, there's uh, there's all kinds of different ways to get your your nerd on. There's uh, there's TV shows, there's movies, there's comic books. Um, it's basically the, the the trifecta. It's the three prong attack. Um, Paul, what would you like to start with of of that triple threat? 
Why don't we start with movies? Because I don't think there's a whole lot, a lot is. to dig into. Well, we uh, we compiled a a list here for this fall, the movies that we feel that um, you know is is relevant to our listeners and, and people that are going to essentially be interested in in the same stuff that we're interested in. It's a short list. Um, Darcy, what what do we have so far on the list? Was I allowed to say Tusk because that's sort of Halloweeny? You wanted to avoid. Well, it, it it is a little bit Halloween, but it is on the list. Oh, All so right. I didn't get the list that you were supposed to send. I sent the list. Let I, me check my email again. Not, not to the right place. <laughs> me, well, oh, I you probably nothing. shouldn't say it on air. But um, so yeah, so sure Tusk this. looks like a piece of crap. But <gasps> really, Paul and Matt both disagree with wow. me. Um, I think I knew that. You didn't know that Tusk was going to be a piece of crap. I don't think I. Knew you thought it was going to be a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, Have you seen the trailer for it? I did watch the trailer for it. Why do you think it's going to be crap? Several reasons. Because there's only one thing in the trailer that makes me go, or or two things. Two things. I think the more you think about it, you'll get to three things, and then four things, Mm -hmm. and then five things. Only two things, because I have thought about it. All right. Out of Haley Joe Osment and Justin Long, Haley Joe Osment by far deserves to be the walrus. <laughs> Sorry. What makes you say that? But do you, you mean he deserves to be the lead character because he's a better actor? No, because he's more walrus-esque in the preview. Because <laughs> he's, a, he's a fatty now. He's put on some weights. Oh. Uh, Alright, if you're going to pick... I'm joking. Between the two of them, though, if you were going to put him in a lineup and say, you're going to take Justin Long, who looks like he has no fat on his body... Or are you going to take fat Haley Joel Osment, who's who's going to be the That's what I'm saying. Like you're going to make... If I were an evil villain, and I were going to create my dream animal, which, by the way, walrus... Maybe we did talk about That's this. all you got is walrus? Like, what about fucking alligator, or velociraptor, or something badass? The guy went with a fucking walrus? It's not up to Michael I Park's character. Know. As to what kind of psychosis he is harnessed with. His particular one is walruses. walruses. Somehow he right. was scarred by a walrus. Right. Lame. It's anyway. not like he's sitting there like, man, what would be what would be badass? He has a walrus fixation. He's a slave to it. He doesn't get to choose. I almost That's have to see the movie, even though I don't want to see the movie, I almost have to see the movie to see what... Stupid, horrible thing happened in his past that he has missed and, and as for fixation. waiting, as for waiting to pick a fat guy to turn in, into the walrus, if your plan is to turn another human being into a walrus, and you have someone drugged in your house alone, you got to take your shot while you have it. You can't be like, "Meh, I'm gonna pass and see if I can get somebody fatter, someone fatter in here." You got to go for it. You can put stuffing in them. And then here's the... And maybe that's part of the challenge. I'm going to take this little guy and make him a fucking walrus. Maybe you should feed him for, like, a long time and get him nice and big and plump. It looks like he spends a good bit of time at a table. And then here's here's how the movie plays out in my head. Okay, so I got a crazy walrus fixation. Whatever. I have Justin Long over. Whatever. I drug him. Then I sew his legs together, because I'm going to make him into a walrus, and I sew his arms down by his side. And then I throw him in water, because there's a part in the preview where they, he's in water. 
then in reality, he would just drown <laughs> because he can't fucking swim. And then it's almost like, you know, on YouTube, they have those, like, how the movie should have ended, little cartoon things. Have you guys watched it? That's how it plays out in my head. It's like, here's how this movie should have ended. And he throws him in the pool, and he drowns, and he's like, well, fuck. And then he throws the corpse in the backyard, and there's this mound of dead bodies in the backyard of guys who have drowned because they couldn't fucking swim. But we don't know when he throws, and which part of the transformation he gets thrown in the water. He may have the right prosthetics on at that point to be able to swim. And it may only be like three feet of water. We don't know yet. Because all we hear is splashing. It looks a little chaotic splashing. It looks like someone's like, oh my god, I'm drowning. Please save me. Because he needs to learn. You don't learn how to be a walrus at the drop of a hat. I don't know. I just think this movie's going to be retarded. I'm sorry. (laughs) Matt? But, go for it. Paul, you and I will be seeing this. Darcy will be staying at home watching the latest Doctor Doctor Who. (laughs) Hey, the new guy's pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Do you want to talk? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about the new Doctor Who season? Sure. I've only seen the first episode. The second one was on already, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. So this fall, does it look like it's going to be better than the other ones? The first episode was already by far better than anything Matt Smith had ever done. Oh, that's a bold statement. All the little Matt Smith groupies are going to kill me. Because a lot of people love that guy with no eyebrows. He looks like a gargoyle. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matt Smith groupies. I know you love him. I'm glad he got you involved in the show. It's a good show. But... Seriously. How many seasons did Matt Smith play the Doctor? I don't even know because I actually quit watching it because I hate him that bad. I feel like well, it was just three. One. No. Well, okay, so you don't seasons. like the way it looks. That What else? No, he's a bad actor. Well, I'm not going to completely blame Matt Smith. I am going to blame um, uh, Stephen Moffat a little bit. He's the guy that writes the show. Um, Russell T. Davies used to write it, and then he left when David Tennant left, and the show sort of went to shit, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I've talked to other people who sort of agree with that. Um, so I'm not going to lay it all on Matt Smith's shoulders. I think he was only given so much to work with. Um, so to be fair to him. But I would just implore any tweeny that came along and uh, started watching Matt Smith only to go back and view some of the older doctors and, and grow to, to love them and learn why, you know. Maybe Matt Smith wasn't the best, but Peter Cabaldi did a really great job. Um, it was some interesting new characters that they, um, you know, are going to potentially, I believe, get their own spinoff. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the season goes. So I won't go into it too much because you guys have no clue about Doctor Who. Well, from what I've been able to discern from the internet. From the five minutes of the internet that you've been looking at? No, I I just mean in the the general course of my nerd education that Stephen Moffat is an asshole. Yeah. Like, he's, he seems like kind of a, you know, it's my ball, I'm going to take it and go home kind of thing. Yeah, he's not too popular. I mean, I do think some people like him. Now, Neil Gaiman did guest write a couple episodes, which I did enjoy. I did watch those ones. Um, those ones, in my opinion, were, were pretty good. Now, I have, I mean, I have watched my fair share of Matt Smith episodes. I don't want to be like I completely walked away, but it wasn't enough to keep me coming back week to week. But Peter Capaldi is, uh, 
so far of one episode. One episode. I'm I'm cure. I'm I'm interested to see the next one. So, and oh. I've I've heard from several of my friends who have watched it that number two was amazing. Oh, so I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Probably there doesn't seem to be any fan ire over Peter Capaldi's casting. Like I remember when uh, David Tennant was leaving. Yeah. And Matt Smith was coming on. There was internet uproar. Yes. Um, but David this Tennant, time, if you ever listen to this, he's probably listening right now. I will bone you. Seriously, we gotta make it happen. I'm married. I love my husband, but I think he'll look the other way if you can get him Natalie Portman. Just saying. All right, continue. Do you think he has that kind of pull? He might. I don't think he has Natalie Portman pull. You never know. She's she might. They might be like those unlikely friends. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Whatever. Just bring a hot chick along. Natalie Portman's pretty A list, whereas David David Tennant's fucking (gasps) endless for nerd list. Oh, endless. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, there was a big uproar. A lot of people were sad to see David Tennant go. You know, on a completely side note, uh, and that's what we do here because you know we are we were conversational, even ready to talk about Doctor conversational Who? podcast. Um, you mentioned that he didn't have much to work with, not David Tennant, but um, Matt, Matt Smith. Smith. And uh, if you guys recall um, from a little movie called Star Wars Episode One, uh, Jake Lloyd, the young child actor, the nine-year-old boy that played Anakin Skywalker, um, was pretty awful, mm-hmm. but he really didn't have a whole lot to work with either. And um, I happened to watch an interview with him recently. He's like, I, I think he's in his, his early 20s now, and which is kind of hilarious because that was like 14 or 15 years ago now. Um, but he's, a, he's an angry little guy now. Um, and I kind of get it because I feel like, 25. Star Wars kind of destroyed his life. I think this interview goes back to like 2010. So he's like in college, sort of that age. And he had this fairly obnoxious Aussie doing an interview with him. And he was like real irritable. And he would answer questions with sort of a snarky response. And there's a really uncomfortable, awkward interview out there on YouTube. If anybody wants to see it, uh, I recommend check it out. Just type in like Jake Lloyd awkward interview and huh. and you'll enjoy uh, how uncomfortable he makes it for the interviewer. Granted, the interviewer's kind of annoying, but Jake Lloyd's kind of a little dickhead. Just saying. So you think with the right script, Jake Lloyd would have been a better actor? And not grown up to be such a douche? Um, w- well, yeah, I think, I think with a better script, he would have been better. I think he still would have been bad, but Do you think they're better than put- awful kids in the new one. I mean, everything I've heard about the new one, I haven't heard any kids on cast, but do you think that they'll try and squeeze a kid in somewhere? No, it seems like the youngest is like early 20s. Alright. Is it the hand-flying goose space rumor? Do y'all think that's true? You know, that's got some legs, which is weird because it's a hand, but... <laughs> it's got some fingers. It's got some fingers. Terrible. <laughs> Darcy laughed. I'm sorry. <laughs> Enjoy your last podcast. Oh. Unless there's Monday Night Football again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zinger! Oh, Zinger. He likes it, right, Ian? <laughs> so anyway, um, 
sorry to sidetrack a little bit, but uh, getting back to fall preview, I don't think there's any other movies on our list other than other than Tusk, uh, and we already touched a little bit on um, TV with Doctor Who. We we have a, a pretty good list. We can just transition right into TV. Uh, Paul, is there any other shows this this fall that are that kind of have your fire stoked a little bit? Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show started that I'm looking forward to Sleepy Hollow coming back. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's not particular. It's not particularly good. I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> particularly. <laughs> it's, yeah, not right, particularly it's not particularly good. But there's there's something about it. You know, we watched the first couple episodes like yeah, but then right around episode three, four, I was like, yeah, I want more of this. And it has this weird, um, like, Firefly, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, cult quality to it. Uh-huh. You know, like a supernatural kind of thing. Now, did you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I've never seen an episode Did you like Firefly? Love Firefly. Immediately. Darcy, did you like Buffy? Um, you know, I was not on the original Buffy bandwagon when, when like, the show was first out and people were jumping on board and I had... All these friends who, oh my god, you've never seen Buffy, have you never seen Buffy? And I've had, like, some of them bought me the DVD seasons um, for, like, Christmas, another one lent them all to me, and we gave it a good try. We probably watched up to season three, and while it was a good show, I never got that, like, obsession about it, um, and I don't, I, I, Part of me wonders if it's just because I've missed missed it when it was actually on TV, and if maybe I would have felt differently if I would have seen it yeah, when it was on TV. I never watched Firefly when it was on. See, I saw Serenity first, yeah. and then watched the series on DVD. It's interesting that you say and that. I love it. What did you think when you saw Serenity and you had nothing else to kind See, of that's compare that's exactly to? how we did it. We were walking through the video store, back when they had video stores, and we're like, oh, this looks like an interesting movie. And then we found out, like, a week later that it had a whole series, and then yeah. we watched the I series. I saw Serenity in the theater, and Serenity gave me the same feeling Guardians of the Galaxy did, which was, this is what the prequels should have been. Yeah. Because Serenity had, like, a real down-home, you know, hands-on production quality feel to it, and it was just a fun movie. Yeah. And, like, I had heard about Firefly... But never watched it. Like, I've been a big Nathan Fillion fan since Two Guys, A Girl, and a Pizza Place. And when I saw that he was going to star in a movie, I was like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. And then I, I think only after I saw it did I find out that it was also, it, it was like the Firefly sequel. Yeah, it was, that's a really cool movie. Yeah. And it, stand, it stands alone, you know, by itself. You don't need to see the series. To love it, you can just sit down and watch the movie and it plays. The series was addicting. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was completely bummed out when we finished the end of the series. And I was even more bummed out because while I had watched the movie and Wash had died, when I was watching the series, he became, Spoiler like, Spoiler alert. My, oh, God, please. <laughs> he was, like, one of my favorite characters. And then when yeah, I'm went sorry, back, I'm sorry. People know stuff. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a throwback. People know stuff. I know, I know. Um, and then when we watched, like, we had to go back and watch the movie again, and then I was like, oh no, Wash is gonna die, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And I was really depressed about it. But Buffy, I don't know, I just, it was okay, I just, 
Yeah. Never had any desire to sit down and watch it. I mean, like, I guess I'd like to, to a point, but I've never been like, yeah, let's go, let's watch some Buffy. I saw Serenity as well, uh, and I had never seen the show Firefly, but I was pretty interested um, in Serenity because I thought it looked like cool new sci-fi. And granted, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, so I'm essentially giving you a review from... Ten years ago, or whatever it was, but I thought it sucked. I hated it. Oh, yeah, so good. I could not. But you're wait really for it to big on flashy productions, though. You tend to uh, lean more towards liking really flashy production quality stuff than stuff that looks a little bit more low budget. Not true. Oh, really? I feel like that's really true. I think that that's a because that's why like your main no reason more. why you hate TV. Um, and you love movies so much. I just feel like TV feels a little bit amateurish, and I don't mean necessarily the flashy production. I mean in all aspects. Um, I think there's more of an artistry in a film versus TV. TV is just a churn and burn way to like, get through the story. See, I don't think you've seen enough TV that you're making that statement. <laughs> what is this box with pictures that are moving on it? Because <laughs> I, guess, I guess True Detective was just, let's just get through this. There's no artistry to this. It's just, you know, dumb. Let's just get through because it's TV. Uh, actually, of, I actually love True Detective. Right, there's plenty of artsy TV out there that's really good. Now, and if you're talking that's about, what I like. talking about CSI, Castle, which I like, you know, your regular primetime fare on the major networks, sure, I'll give it to you. But just the lump all TV, you know, that general, generalization that they just burn through it to do it, is, um, is wildly unfair. I think generally it is true, and there are exceptions to that generalization. I don't think that's an unfair but statement. Even stuff like Arrow, which you don't like, even though you've never seen a full episode, there is a craft to it. There's a quality to it. The writers love the source material. They're comic guys. You know, they've stylistically built a world. They don't mm-hmm. have James Cameron budget, but they do a really great job with what they have. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know, throw it out there, get it done, get it over with. It, it looks... Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a budget to it and there's there's a craft to it, but it still looks like a fan-made film to me or a fan-made kind of show. Like one of those really good ones that you're like, oh, you got to check this fan-made thing out I found I on you YouTube. you need to rewatch the movie. There's a lot of really maybe I, good production stuff in the movie. I was so kind of turned off by it. A lot of the times when I want to like something really, really bad and I don't, I'll... Mm-hmm. Do I'll watch it a second time. Um, this I was so down on. It, it would take a. I don't know. I feel like I'd have to be really bored, and it would have to be on TV. And oh, there it is. Even though I don't really know what a TV is, Paul. I'll figure out how to turn it on. Don't worry about it. I know you know how to turn it on because that's how you play movies on. <laughs> watch those on my computer. On my iPad. Uh, what we got next in the world of TV? Well, shifting from... Uh, <clears throat> well, let's just shift into uh, some comic book TV show talk. Okay. You, you brought up uh, Arrow. Mm-hmm. There's a new season of Arrow. Are we excited about it? And when I say we, I mean you too. I'm... Actually debating actually watching it. I've heard a lot of talk from Paul 
I've even heard Ginger say that she's pro-Arrow. So as much as I avoid the CW, I might actually turn it on and give Arrow a chance. So this is it. Season two, Arrow. It's your only chance to grab me. I think this is season three coming Season up. three, Arrow. Your only chance to yeah, grab me. Is, you gotta go back and watch the other seasons. Though. This is gonna be... This is gonna be season three. I'll have to borrow it on DVD. I think I might. Probably. There's, um... I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about it. They laid... They laid out some great stuff going into this season. And, you know, with each, each season, they're allowed to do more things. They're allowed to pull more from the DC universe and, you know... Give fans more of what they want. You know, part of what's re- what's really nice about Arrow and the Flash that's going to premiere this fall, and even to a wider extent, Gotham is that they're going to be allowed to do a lot of different things. You're going to see a ton of stuff that you don't get to see in movies, and that's one of the benefits of TV is that there's such a high risk, high reward with making a comic book movie that. You know, people are afraid of, you know, doing certain things. You're not going to see Booster Gold on the big screen. Yeah. But we got to see him on Smallville. So, you know, Arrow's bringing a lot of ground-level characters in on a TV. And uh, I think it doesn't premiere until next May, but that's what Marvel's going to do with that Daredevil Netflix series. You're going to get to see a lot of really cool things that aren't really going to fly on the big screen because they need to focus on other aspects of the universe. So we're not going to get, you know, Superman or Batman on TV this fall, but we're going to get the Flash. We're going to get a lot of his robes gallery and they're all going to be super powered. We're going to get a lot of different things. What have you seen of the Flash? Just the, uh, like, scene as in, like, clips and trailers and stuff? Yeah, or or even stills. Just all the stuff that we've seen, but with the casting of Wentworth Miller as Captain Cold and Dominic Purcell as Heat Wave. Wait, say it again. It didn't Heat come wave. out. Heat Wave. Heat Wave. Yeah, they're planning on doing a lot of stuff, and for a show that hasn't premiered yet, Arrow, or The Flash has me a little more, a little more wary than than Arrow. Arrow is a proven product. They've sure. Yeah. Two seasons now. They know what they're doing. But is Michael Jai White still <clears throat> around? Is Michael character? Jai White will continue to be Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger. I'm sure there will be a... Um, that sounds like a villain. Yes, a little bit. He is a gray area mercenary. Gray area. I don't think it's fair of you to cast the black member of the cast as a villain. Oh. Well, I thought this would be... Let's not forget John Diggle, black man, Arrow's right-hand man. Now let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that they are a little too late to the game on the superhero TV stuff? And the reason I ask this is this was a very lackluster year for superhero movies. And one of the reasons that I've heard thrown around in the news um, or out in the media outlets is that people are starting to just grow tired of only the superhero movies being at the theaters and they're starting to want something a little bit more uh, different. So do you think TVs are a little late to the game by coming out with all of these new comic book shows or do you think that they're going to be able to hold their own? You know, it's interesting that you say that people want something new or different. That's just what I heard. Right. I'm well, not, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. you say, but 
you're reciting what you heard. Um, because the two number one movies of the summer were a comic book movie and Transformers 4. Um, one of which was fantastic, one of which was not so fantastic. But I think the fact that even though they were number one, they were number one not in the same, to the same extent that movies had been number one in the past. Like, there's always going to be a number one movie. Like, Smurfs was, I think Smurfs was like a number one movie. You know, the year it came out, Smurfs is not a good movie. Um, So, I, I guess, like, the news story I was listening to was just, Sort of saying, like, you know, everyone was taking a chance on the superhero stuff. They were doing really well for a while, and now it's not doing so well. And studios are starting to question, is this the route that they want to keep continuing to take? Yeah, but you can look back over the last 20 years at the slow decline of cinema profits. Oh, totally. And the movie industry, you know, struggles more and more each year. And that doesn't matter what comes out. We've had some great movies over the last few years. It's just, you know, there are more outlets for people's entertainment dollar. You know, where then, you know, 70s, it was, you know, go to the movies. Right. Well, it's not just that. People are going to tune in and watch it, and the ratings are going to be good, and they're going to stick around. I don't know about that specifically for The Flash, but, you know, with with TV quality getting better, stuff like Breaking Bad, Netflix, you know, doing stuff like Orange is, is the New Black, like there's other outlets out there for that kind of entertainment. It doesn't just have to be movies. It's not like, you know, you're getting, you know, Jaws and Star Wars at the movies and then you come home and you get cuff. Yeah. You know, the things are different now. Like, there's a lot of stuff on TV that's just as good quality-wise and critically as there is at the movies. Now, all of this stuff is coming out on CW, correct? Flash and Arrow, yes. And then there's ones that Netflix, on Netflix original is going to be That'll Daredevil. That'll be Daredevil in May. Now, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, are they just, are they getting their own series, or are they part of the Daredevil series? They're getting their own series. Is it Luke Cage and and Iron Fist and Heroes for Hire? No. Two separate series. Four separate series. What's the fourth one? Jessica Jones. Who's Jessica Jones? I don't know. Ian's not here. She's a Marvel character. Oh, okay. (laughs) To the Google. She's, I like Marvel. I think she was, um, she was some spy. That's Mr. Jones's daughter, right? Probably. Uh, I know she married Luke Cage. They had a baby. That's all I know about her. I don't know if she has superpowers or not. I don't think she does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be Daredevil, Jessica Jones, then I think Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and then the Defenders series. So five series total. Yeah, I think part of the reason for the decline in in superhero movies. Uh, there's not a decline in a number of them, and they're all kind of cannibalizing one another. These movies only have one or two weeks to shine until they're kind of forgotten. Guardians of the Galaxy notwithstanding. I mean, that one, because there's been no competition, mm-hmm. managed to like have some legs and yeah. you know through word of mouth, and because it was good, it, it managed to be very successful. But, you know, Spider-Man, that came out, and within... A week, you already have some stiff competition, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't have an opportunity. I think what the studios need to do is, like we've talked about, spread these movies out over the course of twelve months, yeah. and I think you would see much higher profits for these bigger budget 
superhero films. Yeah, they're sort of... And you have to come out with them at the right time. I think if Sin City, for example, had come out in anywhere between maybe like late September through probably I would avoid November, December, but you come out in January, February, March, it would have done probably five times what it did and give it a, you know, a decent, a decent push, marketing push. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a, there's a real um, tiring of superhero movies at this point. If there are, Marvel and DC are in trouble because they keep releasing schedules with these things coming out in yeah. the, you know, 2020. Yeah. And I think if the movie business thought there was a big problem with that, maybe they'd start to back off. But, um, you know, Arrow's proven show. I expect season three to be just as good as the first two. Mm-hmm. Flash, though, a lot of new stuff going on. Flash is going to be a real superhero show. Mm-hmm. Real superpowers. Real bad guys with superpowers. And other than Smallville, what other shows have really showcased that on a weekly basis? The Flash, 1990. <laughs> One season. One season, folks. So, there's some concern. Um, Grant Gustin uh, played Barry Allen before the powers on a couple episodes of Arrow. And he was amazing. He was great. But a lot of the theory is that he was so great because he's kind of funny and goofy and playing off of uh, Arrow's stoicism that that's why those two worked so well. And that's kind of what made Grant Gustin as as entertaining as he was. But he's not going to have... You know, that Arrow-type character to play off of every week. Uh, maybe he will. You don't know what the supporting cast is going to be like exactly, right? Speaking of the supporting cast, the guy I'm most excited about is Tom Cavanaugh. TV's Ed. Believe it or not, it was a program that I used to watch with modest production values and, and all. Good old Tom Cavanaugh. Tom Cavanaugh. Funny, funny guy, yeah. He hasn't had much luck in TV, but ironically, I think he's a great actor. I think he is incredibly charismatic. But uh, what role is he playing in The Flash? Uh, He's going to be a newly created Harrison Wells. He's um, kind of a scientist in Central City that helps Barry harness his power. Mm -hmm. He's his Yoda? Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, Tom Cavanaugh is Yoda. Okay. He gives, uh, you know, like Barry, the means to test his powers and push his limits. And I think he plays a hand. I think it's uh, Star Labs. Now, in the Arrow show, when they introduce Flash, is Flash brand new to the scene? He doesn't really understand his powers yet? Okay. Yeah, he gets them in the, in the I think, last season finale of Arrow. He gets struck by lightning. Okay, so he'll they'll pick they'll pick up there in the in the season premiere, where I guess he's been in the hospital for months and then he wakes up. So you'll see him learn how to. So you never powers. saw him as the Flash in the Arrow show? Nope, just Barry mm-hmm. Allen. Huh. I didn't know that. What bothers me about Tom Cavanaugh and um, his character Harrison Wells is that in the DC. Uh, New 52 relaunch. Uh-huh. They created a scientist character like that. Yeah. Um, Dr. Elias. 
Okay. Why don't just why not make Tom Cavanaugh that guy? I don't know. They should also ask the people that are making the upcoming show I a Zombie, why are you changing characters' names? Yeah, that's that's like I I kinda get it with Harrison Wells and No, uh, you don't get it, but you can let it slide with, because a, he's with a, a minor it's character. A, yeah, minor supporting character. But when you take the main character of a comic book you and you say we're gonna structure. we're gonna make this comic book about this character named uh, what's her name again? Gwen. Gwen, I forget her last name, but her name's Gwen in the comic book and in the mo- or in the TV show they're gonna call her Olivia, right? Olivia Liv Moore. Maybe because Livy Olivia, and they'll call her Liv. For short, which is probably some tongue-in-cheek joke from some Hollywood bigwig that was like, "Hey, she's a zombie, but we're gonna call her Liv." Oh, that's, a that's really funny. Yeah. That's really funny. And then everybody that's afraid for their jobs, they're in the yeah, boardroom like, oh, with them. We're like, "That's yeah. fantastic!" What else you got? Yeah, the the comic characters named Gwen Dillon. Mm-hmm. I guess that isn't cool enough. Liv more because she's dead. That's cooler. That's just fantastic. Yeah, I kind of do too. Now, uh, this is a comic book series that was written. Actually, I forget who wrote it. Who do you remember who the writer was, Paul? Uh, I have that right here. The writer was uh, Chris Roberson, and it was drawn by uh, Mike Allred. Mike Allred, with some other some other names, but I think Mike Allred did the bulk of the work. That's correct. Just kind of a far out, kind of a cool story from what I remember. I read maybe the first five. I, I really did like it. I just kind of like couldn't keep up and then figured once I found out they're ending the series, you know, this finite, whatever it is, 30, 35 issues, I could read that in, in you know, one chunk, which I will do. And like, I don't even think the, um, I don't even think the premise is going to be the same in the show. She's a medical student who is who needs to keep eating brains to keep up with, like to stay alive. So she works in the morgue. Yeah, to keep to eat brains. But she also, when she eats the brains, she also like sees how the people died or something, and that sets up the oh. week to week premise of like what new adventure they're going to get into. Now, which what channel is this show going to premiere on? CW. CW is... CW is pulling all, all these punches. And DC Comics, CW... Why don't they just call it the DC Comics Network, Paul? I don't know. Does DC own CW? Warner Brothers does. No, that's why. Now, why did they change it from the WB to CW? Um, they bought... Uh, they bought some other network. And then they changed it over over to CW. I, don't I know am. Why, why they changed it? It is funny to me that they went from being this very all of the shows that they had were like the mindless kind of like oh they bought you teeny bopper shows and then met and then like they transformed now into like comics. And I just find that. An interesting transition. The CW is named after the primary owners being CBS and Warner Brothers. Ah. You know, I think what happened was they they dabbled a little bit with some comic book properties and had success and realized... See you later. Maybe. Maybe that 
Blonde you know, Rich Girl show. What was that show? One Tree Hill. Gilmore Girls. One Tree Hill. Gilmore Girls. Wasn't they, well, they, it, well, they started out show. all wholesome when they were the WB. It was like Seventh Heaven and Gilmore Girls. And then they went to CW, and it became like... Oh, they also had um, the, Dawson's Creek, and Buffy was on. Yeah, Buffy was Buffy. on there. And then they, but then they had that run of, like, real s- stupid shows. America's Top Model, SmackDown. Yes, which I loved America's Veronica Top Veronica Mars, I don't know. Now, I heard they were doing a Veronica Mars movie. I heard they got all their funding through oh, Kickstarter. It's, it's, it's on out. DVD already. God, I'm so far behind the times. It, I think it was one of those simultaneous releases where it came it out on iTunes DVD. and theaters. It was in theaters? I don't remember Shortly, yeah. coming out to theaters. Well. Yeah. It was like a Kickstarter-funded thing. And yeah, I just remember it being on Kickstarter, and then I felt like I heard that it was coming out. I didn't realize that it was going to progress so quickly. The, the CW seems to be, you know, since they're that, like, sixth-string network, they seem to have more mobility to just kind of do whatever. If something's working, we're going to do this. Um, you know, Game of Thrones gets popular, so they do rain. Uh, some uh, teeny bopper shows get popular, so they do Carrie Diaries. And they're able to really do, you know, you have Carrie Diaries, Rain, Supernatural, Flash, whatever you want. Like, CW's like, here. We got something for you. Right. Witches got popular, so they did that Secret Circle show. What's Rain? I mean, obviously, it's, it's a sword like, and sorcery kind of thing. It's like um, like a monarch Wayne show. is about uh, Mary Queen of Scots taking over um, the rule of France, which is funny because she goes to France, and she's supposed to be living in France, but no one in the show has French, French accent. Everyone is British. Of course. That's how we do it. See, that's how I like it. So, I don't know, five, six years ago, Paul, you were telling me how good Supernatural is. And, and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. What, what channel is it on? The old so, CW. It's on the CW, and I thought, you were an idiot. Yep. There's no way this show can be good. It's on the CW, and I had this this idea of what it was in my head. I thought the same thing. Right. When he told me it was on the CW, I was like, mm. But thanks, but no thanks. Right, but you lent me the first season, and I watched it, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Is that good water, Dars? Sounds good. That reminds me, I might need a drink here in a little bit. But, um, but my point is, CW can surprise you. Obviously, they do have some some good properties. Uh, that go beyond kind of what they're known for. It's, it's just been very difficult for them to shake that image of being the teeny bopper uh, mm-hmm. station. Um, you know, I would argue that I've liked certain things from that channel more than, certainly more than crap off the networks that yeah. aren't sitcoms. Does the CW do sitcoms or are all their shows pretty much one hour kind of Action drama kind of things. I think they're like Pretty much one everything's hour. one hour. Um, Heart of Dixie is probably the closest thing they have to a sitcom right now. And that's an hour. Mm-hmm. It's a dramedy. Um, they probably put Carrie Diaries in that, uh, that vein too. Mm-hmm. That dramedy uh, area. So some, some comic book shows that are 
not going to be on the CW this year is uh, another DC one, Constantine. I'm really looking forward to that. Are you really? I am. I what have you has have they released any kind of footage I, for it yet? A trailer. Is oh, there is a trailer, trailer finally. I don't mm-hmm. watch it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Paul, how is it? The trailer looks good. Okay. But. But. but the subject matter for a show based around John Constantine on a major network. Like, if they were releasing Constantine on the CW, I'd be like... It would feel yeah, at home. Cool. Yeah, but they're, it's going to be on... Yeah, but X-Files on, was on a major network. Fox is almost a, na- a major network. Yeah. They're they're not... Yeah, a major network are the big three. ABC, uh, ABC CBS, CBS, and NBC. CBS, NBC. Um... Well, Fox is the fifth major network. What's the fourth? But it's going to be on NBC. Wait, what's the fourth? It's ABC. Uh, I guess it is the big four. ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox. Right. I'm in four. <laughs> yeah, but Constantine's going to be on NBC. Right. If it was going to be on the CW, that's a good home for it. Even Fox? Okay. I feel right, good. right. But NBC... So do you think it's going to hit the same fate that Firefly had? Where even though Firefly wasn't on one of those major networks, it was on a channel that typically probably wasn't prepared to have it. What channel was Firefly on? It was on FX. Firefly was wasn't on... It? FX Firefly? Or... Firefly was on Fox. Firefly was on Fox, yeah. too? But... Apparently I'm just going to go Fox Because everything I say is... You're filling in beautifully uh, for Charlie. Yeah, okay, good. It's like he's, it's like he's it's like here. He's still here. But Fox even has, like, a different kind of audience to it. But, like, NBC, like, you're going to put Constantine with Parenthood. Like, NBC... What's its time slot? Do they know? Do we know what the time slot's going to be? Friday night. Yeah, it's going to be on... It's going to premiere on October 24th. It'll be a Friday night show. It might survive if it's... On late enough. It needs a cult following. It, it just does. And and this seems to me like the kind of show that, if it's lucky, will go. So this then goes back seasons. to my previous question. Do you think so? Okay, so maybe the CW isn't getting in over their head because they're the CW and they can do whatever you want. But do you think NBC is getting in over its head because of it sees all these comic book movies and then it's like, oh, it'll survive and do well. And well, not so much. NBC gives you stuff like Parenthood and The Blacklist and, you know, Hannibal. Maybe Hannibal's not a not a good example, but stuff like Chicago Fire. These kind of middle-aged kind of shows. And then they're going to throw Constantine in there. But they've also had a Run a success with Grimm, and I don't know how the fuck Grimm is still on because Grimm is dog shit. But it's been on since 2011, so maybe there is a weird niche for Constantine to fit in there. But I, I don't know. If you, you put that on a different network, I'd feel a lot more confident about it. Yeah. But as far as the show looks, it looks good. The guy looks just like Constantine. He looks like he stepped right out of the comic. And as far as uh, shows and movies getting costumes and everything right these days, so it's real hit or miss. So I'll take. I mean, he he looks just fucking like. Right. He's gonna be British. He's gonna smoke. Them. I'm sure he's not gonna inhale, but we're gonna see him with a cigarette. <laughs> so he'll be much better than Keanu Reeves. 
even though I strangely liked the Keanu Reeves version as much as I, I don't like too. Keanu Reeves. I liked it too. I, I didn't know anything about I think the comic that's why. Version. I think because my only exposure to Constantine at that point was a couple issues that he was in in like some like book of magic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wasn't right. reading his comic. I, I knew it was Hellblazer. I knew he had blonde hair, and I knew he was British. And he smoked, and then you see Keanu Reeves, and he's like, none of that. Yeah. And I was like, and then they call it Constantine. I'm like, why isn't it called Hellblazer? I didn't even read it, and I was offended. Yeah. Oh, Dylan was. But then I saw it, and it was yeah. kind of, like, it opens up really strong, I think. Yeah. You know, with that, like, whatever that is. Um, Demon mirror thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe it lost a little steam as it goes along, but it was kind of cool. But here's the thing that I think about the Constantine show. I think if it's good, I don't care what network it's on, it's going to be fine. I think network, what channel shit's on now, matters less than it ever did. Because people have DVR, they know what shows they want to watch. There's so much like word of mouth and internet buzz and everything, all kinds of different ways for you to hear what's good. You don't put on channel you know, NBC and just ride it out all night. You probably aren't even watching it when it's on. You DVR it, you check it out on Saturday when you have a minute and you watch it then. I think that the network isn't going to matter. That's my opinion. Sales lasted this long, so I I hope you're right, because Constantine has the the potential to be really cool. You know, a really cool supernatural-based show. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of that out there, is there? No, there isn't. You know, it's that grim, supernatural, sleepy hollow. Yeah. There's room for one more. And none of them are British, right? Uh, yeah. Sleepy hollow. Oh, sleepy hollow is British. Ichabod Crane is British. Why is Ichabod Crane British? I thought he was American. No, he came over with, uh, the British to fight in the Revolutionary War. And then winds up fighting for the... In the the weird TV show version. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) In the TV, mythology. well, he was in the in the Disney, Disney version. Disney he was version, a teacher. He didn't even like really talk a lot. Was he, he sort of like he may have been British in the, in the Disney version? In the Tim Burton version, he was American. Yeah. He was a doctor. Yeah, he was some kind of doctor scientist yeah. or something. Um, which I still hold in regard as the best version. Although I did read it, um, uh, Washington Irving's Sleepy Hollow. It's very short and it's pretty good. Hmm. That's a. And it's hard. It's just a really cool story. It really is. I think that's one of like, the first American horror stories really ever written. And I don't think there's a version of that that I, I don't like. Like, I love the Disney one. I love the Tim Burton one. I like this this new show. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a really neat story. Yeah, it's pretty captivating. Yeah, it plays to all the shit that I'm into, all the weird supernatural stuff. What do you have to say? When you said uh, American Horror Story, that's when I was like, oh, American Horror Story is coming out, too, and I am excited for their next season. Oh, did I? I don't think I said American Horror Story. You said it was like the first American... American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. You said the words. You said the words. Consecutively. Oh, okay, yeah. And then I got all excited because I'm like, because... Their, their new season's coming out. Okay. I know that that's I've more seen... mainstream TV than no, that's what cool, we're though. talking about. But... Well, that's FX, I think, right? Yeah. So yeah. so I've only seen um, the first season of American mm-hmm. Horror Story, and I loved it. Um, 
I saw the first episode and I was like, uh, this is like kind of dumb with that like dude in the rubber suit. You remember that? Yep. Or the vinyl suit, whatever it was. And I, I, it just felt like an excuse to show Dylan McDermott's ass like 35,000 times that like episode. And I was, I don't know, man, I like Dylan McDermott, but that's a lot of, a lot of cheekage. And, uh, but I stuck it out for a couple more episodes and it really hooked me. Really yeah. did. Yeah, the first season's really cool. Did you see beyond that, Paul? Yeah, the second one's mediocre. Second one, they got a little... They, they tried they to got, do too much. They got, yeah, they the were really season. overzealous. They were like, oh, I'm going to try and do this, this, this. You had an insane asylum, alien abductions, Nazis, zombies. It's a weird human animal yeah, experimentation. Like, Ghosts. All in the second season? All of the, they, like, That's only ten Possession. episodes, too. Yeah, so that they really tried to cram mm-hmm. a lot of shit in the second season. Serial killers. Serial killers. They tried to do too much in the second season. And nothing, nothing got its due time. But the second one, they just focused on witches and voodoo. Mm-hmm. And or the, the third season, that's right. what they focused on. It was great. What is yeah. the fourth I think season I love the be? third uh, season more show. than the first one. Oh, that's cool. That's right up your alley. Right up my alley. Carnies. Carnies. <laughs> they smell like cabbage. Small hands. <laughs> Isn't that with lobster fingers and stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, that'll cool. be big fun. I'm sorry. Back to the comic books. So, well, actually, this has been the TV show uh, fall preview here. A um, couple other shows that are coming out. Uh, Shield. Is anybody actually excited about no. season two of Shield? No. I'm not. I'm curious. Are you? I'm curious. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch a minute of it. I thought I was going to, but it didn't look good. And I was like, okay, I'll get around to checking it out. But the word of mouth was so awful on the first season, especially the first handful of episodes. I was like, ah, fuck it. It's not worth my time. And then I started hearing, oh, it's getting good. It's getting good. Oh, it ties in great with Captain America. Well, that's lame. Um, trying to get you to watch a show because it ties in with a movie. That's just weak. I think I just spent, like, I only watched a couple episodes. I didn't watch the full run. But I think I spent most of my time going, well, I'd rather see what this Avengers were doing. <laughs> like, you know, like, if you're going to have a show about it, like, I'd rather just see what the actual heroes are and that's, doing. And that's part of where Arrow did everything right and S.H.I.E.L.D. did everything wrong. Well, DC's better than Marvel. Guys should I'm be just taking kidding. notes and I know, writing all this shit I know. Down. Ian's not here to say that. So someone needs to someone needs to say it. I'm practicing for the debate on yeah, October twelfth. And I don't and I don't mean that to slander Marvel, but you know, the reason comic fans love Arrow is because you get to see Bronze Tiger. You get to see Deathstroke and Amanda Waller and Deadshot and all these Fairly super-powered characters from the books, but S.H.I.E.L.D., especially the first half, you're like, here's a bunch of characters that no one's ever heard of because they're created just for the show. Oh, you want super-powered characters? We'll give you some, but they're going to be brand new to the show. You've never heard of them before. And comic fans are like, what the fuck? Why can't you just make this person this person? So what they're going to start doing for season two is doing more of that. Uh, Mockingbird is going to be introduced as one of the characters. We're going to see more of Deathlock this second season. Was Deathlock um, in the first season? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Second half. 
Okay. Did he look like Deathlock? For a couple frames of one episode. Oh, gosh. Because yeah. Deathlock is pretty much a skull with a big metal plate over half of his head. Yeah. I, he's more like a zombie looking yeah, kind yeah. of, like, decaying yeah. person. But he's just a, he's a black guy with a couple of the, like, the arm or the leg, like, um, cybernetics to him. Yeah, it kind of looks like Winter Soldier type arm. But they... With- they did, a, like, an x-ray. Like, he was walking through something, and you see his x-ray, and that was Deathlock, because then you can see through his skin, you see the skull with the big half-metal plate and everything, and he's got the red eye. So, eh, kind of, sort of, but this season, they're introducing Mockingbird, a couple other uh, Marvel C-listers, super-powered characters, so... I guess that's a, has, a baby step in the right direction. Yeah, a little potential to be. I feel like this show better. needs to turn it around in a big way, or there will be no season three of it. We've yeah. discussed it before. Biggest problem with Shield: they don't know how to use their budget because they're like, "Yeah, we can totally make Avengers on three dollars." You can't. You tried, and it was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so that season finale was so bad. Whenever anyone brings up worst television effect you've ever seen, it's going to be the S.H.I.E.L.D. season finale with the car falling out of the plane. Mm. Check the YouTube. Like a, a Hot Wheel. We, yeah, we could, do, we could do it better with chicken wire and a Hot Wheel. And our iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> that, was about, that was about the quality of it. It was, it, it was rough. But uh, I'm interested. I'm invested enough in the show that I'll, I'll go back and check it out. There's one last show that that uh, is coming out this fall. It's going to be on Fox. It's pro- well, actually, there's a couple more. Um, this is the last of the of the live action shows, um, and it's coming out on Fox. And this is probably the one I'm personally most excited about, and that's Gotham. Uh, the story that follows a young Jim Gordon, who I guess eventually becomes Commissioner Gordon. And it shows kind of the early beginnings of uh, all the, not all of them, but a lot of the Batman rogues gallery. Um, I just think it's silly that they all grew up in the same town together. Seems kind of, uh, I don't know, what's the word? But they all do in the comics. I know, but just something about it in show format, it's just a little... I just, they just have to do it right, I guess is really... That they've been connected for like 20 years. They've been connected their entire life, and it's like... I'm not connected with... I mean, you've lived in Pittsburgh your entire life. Are you still connected with crazy people you went to elementary school with? No. I mean... Well, you are a little bit, but you're weird. But... <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like... I feel like there's a lot of potential for it to be done poorly. And maybe they'll do it beautifully. Maybe it'll be great. I think I was really thrown by the one preview that I watched. And I was just... I didn't even realize I was watching a preview for Gotham, and so I think I'm just really nervous about how it's going to play out. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know about it either. the The main trailer for it looked really good, um, but it also looked like a really slick, really well done trailer. It I did. can't imagine it episode slick three and, yeah. is going to look as good as that trailer. And the fact that everyone, everyone's in it, everyone's you know connected, you know Catwoman, Poison Ivy. Uh, it's very yeah, recherche. The Riddler it is very recherche. Uh, yeah. All that we've seen, all of the rogues gallery, except like Mister Freeze, 
and the Joker, and it's only a matter of time before those two. Get True. Um, can yeah. this show? Can this show be successful and 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 have incredibly long legs and just go for fifteen years worth no. of seasons? And then the kid that plays Bruce Wayne, he's eventually going to be Batman in the show, right? And then maybe they'll spin that into movies. No. I don't think so. No, probably not. Show probably has what three, three and a half seasons, just like the old Batman show from. Um, the best. Oh, that's that's something to, worth mentioning. The uh, the Batman sixty six show coming to Blu ray this fall. Mm. It depends how Gotham plays out. Because the best thing they can hope for is to be like Smallville. You, you, yeah, you want to go in to a Batman show and see Batman. You're not going to get Batman. You're going to get you know Bruce Wayne, and he's not even learning to be. Batman, yeah. yeah. It isn't even no, like Batman's but, beginning to begin. But Batman isn't just about Batman. Batman has been really fucking cool for a lot of years because he's got a really great rogues gallery, second to none in comic books. Which is the small, kind of the smart way to go to the show. Yeah, it's kind of silly that they're all interconnected in some way. But then you would already know who all your villains are. Yeah, but if you don't have Batman, you have a really good supporting cast to lean on. You do. You know, like, I wouldn't be interested in a Superman show about Lois, Perry, and Lex. But Batman's show about Jim Gordon? Yeah. I like yeah. it. I mean, they did a comic book, Gotham City PD. Uh, who wrote that, actually? Yeah, Brubaker. Brubaker. And Greg Rucka. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying I've seen a lot of shitty TV shows, and I'm just really nervous that they're going to bungle it up. I'm not. I'm not really worried about this one. Like, I think Gotham's going to do well. I think it's going to be good. I think they got a really good cast for it. I think it's going to be different enough that it's it's gonna it's gonna gain a following. It looks like it's got some cool style to it. Yeah. As well, it, like there's a little bit of um, it's very dark. Artsy, it, yeah, it is artsy. It, you know, you see those like uh, t- uh, Bruce Tim esque uh, zeppelins in the air with mm-hmm. the spotlights and everything, and it. I think it's cool seeing that in a live action scenario. It's cheap to do with a silhouette of one of those in the sky, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't expect to see Jim Gordon jumping off a building and sliding down the side of a Zeppelin and, you know, swinging on something. Is so- Jim Gordon going to start growing a mustache by the final episode <laughs> of season one? Yes. I think he's too should. early. Too soon? Too early. Season, season three mustache? Maybe. Okay, maybe. Then you have to bet money on, like, how specifically they call it out. Well, like, they do it where, like, he's got, like, a little five o'clock shadow and someone's like, oh, or hey, maybe it'll be you're going to be goatee. growing a mustache there. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's growing on ben me. McKenzie's too good looking to put a mustache on that face. A goatee, maybe? What is this, the 90s? I don't know. When is it set? It's Gotham City. You don't know. There's no setting. There's laser guns and black and white TVs. Yeah. That's when Gotham's at its best. One other small show that's happening this this fall is on Disney XD, the premiere of the Star Wars Rebel show. We've talked to it, or about it, to death. Um, when is that premiere? Uh, October 3rd is the premiere on Disney XD. Uh, I think it's like an eight or I think it's a nine o'clock premiere, Friday and it's a night. Friday night. It's a one-hour uh, episode, and um, 
as long as it still holds true, I think we've already discussed it. We're going to do um, a McSauce Instant Reaction. We're going to watch the show, and then we're going to do a podcast right after. Um, so, yeah. It really will be a long time ago this week with Matt Cassell. <laughs> yeah, I'll have a thing or two to say. You know, it, I, I keep teetering back and forth on this one between being excited and being nervous as hell because I, I just keep seeing cool stuff and then I get pulled right out when I see some really stupid shit. And then I'm like, well, it's a kid's show. The way it's supposed to be canon. Uh, I don't know. So this is your big thing this this and Gotham, I would say. I don't know why I keep losing vowels tonight. Everything keeps coming out of breath. <laughs> this, oh, sorry. I was like this. Yeah, like this is your this is your big thing, the thing you're most you excited about. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I, I I will check it out regardless of how stupid the stormtroopers look in this show. I, I'm not a fan of how. Bungling, they they've made the stormtroopers appear. I realize that these are you know this is a, a force that was defeated by little furry bear creatures in Return of the Jedi, but carnivorous, I, carnivorous, and, and, and I rationalize that in my head because well, they there were more of them and they knew the lay of the land and okay, whatever, right? Maybe no. They outnumbered the stormtroopers like a hundred to one in, yeah. in my head. That's how they did it. And off camera. They were eating those stormtroopers. Probably. We just didn't see that because it was a PG movie. It's true. So, uh, the the show is going to feature a, a brand new cast of characters. It takes place five years before uh, the original Star Wars movie. And it, uh, supposedly they're trying to get back to the, the vibe of the original movies. Uh, from what I've seen... It kind of feels like they're doing that, but I, I still don't know. I'm very cautiously optimistic. They're kind of pulling a shield. They're like, here's your show with no one you give a shit about. Yeah, pretty much. Now, but I'm, I'm hoping, and I think that they have a good chance of doing this, is that they're, they're creating a brand new core of characters that we will give a shit about. And, you know, it's... I realize it's not Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, but they might have some pretty cool stories to tell. It's just, it, I don't know if I like that these characters are going to be significant during the time when there were clearly much more significant players in the whole saga, yeah. you know? And, and it's like, well, yeah, but these guys existed, but they didn't really affect anything because our main characters the ones that killed the Emperor and blew up the Death Star and all that stuff. So, like, what's the point of these characters? Do you think they'll try and do some kind of silly tie-back in the movie when the movie comes out to one of these characters, like, mentioning them or something or another? It's all supposed to be the same canon. And that's the thing, that's the same thing with S.H.I.E.L.D. Is like, why do I give a shit about these characters when I have these ones really doing some shit? What I really hope for is that there is no tie... Unless I absolutely love the show. I'm like, oh my god, you need to put... (laughs) Um, Kyle Katarin or whatever his name. No, that was the guy from the Dark Forces video game. What Cowboy was, Jedi. Cowboy, what's his Kanan. name? Kanan. Kanan, Kanan. Gotta put Kanan in episode 7. Oh, I hope whoever plays him. But if it's kind of mediocre, which I think there's a pretty good possibility it could be, it 
I hope that it, it it can be canon, but like sort of exist without having anything to do with the movies. Like it, it's cool, it exists over here, but you have the movies, and you don't even have to pay attention to this or like the Clone Wars TV show exists if you want it to, or you don't have to partake in it, and you can still watch all the movies, and it makes sense. It's almost like a like a supplement to start to the films, and I hope that it stays that way. I think what's going to make or break it for me, as weird as this sounds, is how annoying that kid is. You mean that 35-year-old trapped in a kid? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Because it's already not starting out good, and I feel if they really try to make him... Conflicted youth, whiny, whatever, I feel like I'm going to be very inclined to turn off the TV. I don't know. I mean, I realize it's a kid's show. I realize that you're going to have a degree of that. But I feel like, as weird as that sounds, I feel like that's where it's writing for me. Because he's going to be, like, one of the main characters. And if I can't... If I already don't care about these characters because they're not significant characters... Uh Maybe that's where... The worst thing you can do is annoy me with them. Maybe that's where Green Lantern, the animated series, went wrong. No children in the cast. I mean, it is a kid's show, so it, it kind of makes sense to go down even, that route. They even uh, younged up Teen Titans Go. Because it was kind of a Young Justice, a little lighter than Young Justice style show for a while, and then that got canceled, and now it's back. But now it's more um, a regular show than anything else. Mm-hmm. So I guess, uh, what's that kid's name? Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. I don't know. His voice is real deep. It is. It, you it's know, like the even... original Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, The yeah, original, yeah. original, original Spider-Man cartoon. We let Jude watch that. That guy's like 45 doing Peter Parker's is voice. That, it's is horrible. That he's like super buff. He's like muscles on top no, of No, that was the one from no. the 90s. She's talking about the one from like the, the 60s, 60s or 70s. 70s. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Really like, rudimentary like, animation. Oh, um, well, Aunt May's gonna be so mad at me. He's like, Spider-Man and his amazing smoking a sick pack, right? With fire, fire chick and Iceman. Yeah, yeah. That yep. was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Wasn't there other shit before that? Or no? I thought there was. I I can remember going into Suncoast Video. Remember that store, yeah. Suncoast Video? And they would have like tapes of it. And I I remember I bought the Iron Man movie as well, where he fought the Titanium Man. Very original naming convention here. Like, <laughs> who can we have Iron Man fight? Ah, Titanium Man. Man. Like, I created a, a character called Fat Man. Who should Fat Man fight? Ah, Skinny Man. Who fight Skinny Man? <laughs> it's all coming together. No, yeah, I, I, I think that's just my concern is we already don't care about these characters, so you have to win us over pretty fast with caring about them. I will say this. I'm, I'm interested to learn more. You know, like, tell me some more. I, you know, Ian was, was kind enough to pick up that book for me when he went to the, um, which he's probably like, why the fuck did I pick it up for that asshole? He's been insulting me the whole show. <laughs> but he picked up that Star Wars Rebels. Like, it's called A New Dawn. It's the very first official canon novel that takes place in the new official Star Wars canon. And, um... 
and it gives you the whole backstory with Kanan and how he met this the Hera girl, the the Twilight, the green Twilight chick. And I, I'm gonna read. That's like my next book to read as soon as I finish Joyland, which I'm almost done. But I feel like you've been on the last ten pages of that book for like three months now. Well, yeah, I I've been kind of like. Because it, it just slowed down to a crawl. But then this weekend when I was listening to the audiobook, it just took off. Oh, that's the book that you yeah. got to the climax of? Yeah, and then I got to the climax. I was like, oh my god, more and more. Give me more. But that's a Stephen King book, and I haven't read much Stephen King. And, and Paul, you could probably attest to this. Don't you feel like he's a little overly descriptive? Like a little slow-moving? A little. Yeah, but it depends <laughs> he's on... The, um... Depends on the book. Depends on the story being told. Yeah. Stephen King's weak suit of the horse. is <laughs> wrapping stuff up mm-hmm. the way everything starts. Because he kind of dips off towards the end. Okay. See, even, even my favorite Stephen King books, the ends are kind of stinkers. Well, with Joyland, it's sort of proven to be the opposite. Cause it was, and it was okay that it was a slow-moving story. I didn't mind that because it really lets you like absorb the characters and everything. But in this... It it just felt like nothing was happening, kind of slow, and but then all of a sudden shit started going down. You're like, oh my god, I see how earlier in the story how this sort of plays back, and it's cool. It's kind of like a mystery type thing too, so yes, it I just kind of picked up. I need to give a shout out to one of my favorite Stephen King books while we're talking about Stephen King, and that's the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Are either of you familiar with this book? I, my mother and my sister love Stephen King. Like, my sister is so obsessed that she actually wants a full sleeve of um, the Dark Tower stuff. It's pretty cool. So, yes, I cool. am familiar with all of his books. However, I am 15 years into the first 100 pages of It. That is how long that man takes. Like, I, That's such a I good have book. such a good book. Attempted to read several of his books, and I sort of just fizzle out because the man cannot get to a point. The only things I've actually successfully read of his are like the Bachman books, like all of his short stories. Can those are fine? It depends on the book. Carrie, Firestarter. Girl who loved Tom Gordon. They're breezes because they're short. I mean, you get into shit like Under the Dome and It and The Stand, and that shit is just dense. It's is so Carrie dense. like a bunch of newspaper articles and shit? Or no? No, no Carrie's straight up novel. Okay. But Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, I don't even think it's a quarter of it. It's a really short story. It's a it's its own novel, but it's like one of the shortest. Uh-huh. And it's about this girl that gets lost in the woods. And all she has with her, I think, is a baseball card of Red Sox player Tom Gordon. And, like, she pretends she sees this vision of, like, Tom Gordon who helps her get through this, like, week stranded in the woods and this, like, bear's coming after her and stuff. And it's a really quick read, but it's just really well done. It's quick-paced. I don't think either of you would have a problem with it if you're having trouble with details. But it's such a good book. such a cool little story. How many pages is it? Approximately. I, I think no the other it's less I'm... than a quarter of it. It's it's little. Is it a pretty thick book? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's tiny. I think the other reason No, I, I mean it. The book yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's... It's massive. It's like five inches tall. It's like this. It's about as long as... Death Order of the Phoenix. Oh, okay. Was Order of the Phoenix the longest? Though? Yeah. Okay. 
don't know. He's he. The other thing problem I have with Stephen King, and granted, everything I know is based off of things my sister tells me, my mom tells me about the books when they're reading them. But the fact that my sister tells me after she's read The Dark Tower that he has made himself, like, the answer to all the problems, like, in his universes. Is that what do you mean he's he made did made it himself? one time? I don't know. I don't like He only did it once. Shit. What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Stephen King writes himself into the Dark Tower series. Okay. But he's, like, some, like, hero person. He is like, I don't know. My sister made it sound like he's the not. fate of the world depended on him or something. I don't know. He's not. He's he's a mess. All right. He's a mess of a character. Okay. Is his name Stephen King? It is Stephen King. Okay. Like, he essentially writes um, Roland stepping into our world and finding Stephen King. But, the like, and I was, I was uh, no, skeptical. No, I thought it was going to be stupid. As soon as I heard he did that, I was like... This is dumb. This is awful. But then I read it, and I was like, all right, this this kind of works. I don't know. Because he, him, he, he writes himself as more interesting than I think he would really be. This book smells like the library. Well, I got it out of the east wing of the McGinty Library. Hmm. But it sm- smells more like the... Your elementary school library. Did you steal this from there? Oh, see if there's the card thing in the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, Grover loves Tom Gordon. It's not a very big book. No, it's not. All right. So, last thought on Rebels. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to meet these characters and see what they're all about. As a matter of fact, I was even at Target this past week, and I was interested in checking out. The action figures. I was like, well, you know, because I like the, the animation design. I was like, oh, if I could get maybe, like, the Kanan character with his, like, lightsaber and then the, the Inquisitor and the villain of that, and that would be kind of cool, but they didn't have them yet. They had other shit, so it's, like, already out. Toys and stuff, but no action figures. But anyway, uh, we will be checking that out. And, you know, another thing I think we should do, um, because I feel like all three of us are interested in it, Maybe we should talk about doing a Gotham uh, instant reaction to the premiere of that. That is Wednesday, October 22nd. So maybe. I think we'll be on at 9 p.m. Okay. I think I can handle it. So, uh, this is the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. We talk comics sometimes. Uh, and there's some, some shit going down this fall in comic books. Currently going down is DC's Futures End Month. Last year they did all the lenticular covers in September. What did they do the month before that? Um, or the year before that, I mean. September, ever since they launched the 11, new 52. 2011 was total re- Right, that was the new 52. 2012 was, was zero issues. 2013, 2013 was lenticular covers. Villains Month. That was Villains, yeah. And now, and now 2014. 2014 is Future's End lenticular covers where They're jumping ahead. every book is jumping ahead five years into the future. Currently, one of their weekly books is Future's End. It takes place five years into the future. I guess between now and then, Darkseid annihilates Earth 2. In the meantime, all of the 
heroes and a lot of the citizens of Earth 2 come to Earth 1 to escape their dying world because Darkseid just obliterated it. When they come over here, it starts some war between the Earth 1 heroes and the Earth 2 heroes, you know, just because they're all trying to populate one Earth, so now a lot of shit's decimated, a lot of heroes died, uh, a lot from both sides are in captivity, and it's a cool... The Futures End Weekly is a really cool book so far. I thought it might be okay, but it's it's better than I expected. The writing team seems to really have their shit together. Everything's kept in order from... Who's the writing week team? Week. It's Brian Azzarello, Dan Jurgens, Keith Giffen, and Jeff Lemire. How do you think that they break down the writing responsibilities for that? Um, I'd imagine it's like they did it for the 52 series, where there's four main stories going through the entire book. Eventually, they'll dovetail with each other. But I think each writer is probably responsible for certain aspects of the story. So each individual issue, you think that all four writers are kind of like writing it together? Or do you think, oh, issue issue one, Brian Azzarello, you handle that, and then um, Dan Jurgens picks up the baton and runs with it for issue two. I think I think it's it's everything's separate enough right now where I think they're like Keith Giffen, you do all the Cat and Silent stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna gonna intersect with anyone for twenty issues. So just go ahead and write this many pages of the oh, story. Okay. And you know, I think each writer is doing that on their own. Okay, um, but it takes place five years in the future. Superman. Is a masked man now. He wears a mask. No one knows who he is. Uh, there is no Batman. Um, Mr. Terrific is the hero. He's also like the Steve Jobs, you know, introducing all this new technology into the world that he's taken from some alien tech and Earth 2 tech. And it's a way different world than the present day DCU. Well, this month, every line, every book in the DC line is jumping ahead five years to see where these characters are at. I don't think that they need to do that. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. if writers are in the middle of a good story, you don't need to take a month out to show me what's going on in five years with yeah. Jon Stewart. I don't need to know. Well, DC, Jon, Stewart's, Jon Stewart's in fucking space. DC has in space. Leave them out there. set the precedent now that September is their, their crazy month. They're just going to yeah. try different things every September. And they had success last year with the, the uh, lenticular covers. You know, from what I've heard already, um, the, the lenticular covers this year are nowhere near as, as hot an item as they were last year. Because, you know, we hadn't had gimmicks like that in 15, 20 years in comic books. I mean, that nearly killed the whole market back in the, the early to mid-90s. And, you know, <laughs> just the idea of, a, of an embossed or gold foil stamped or 3D or whatever die cut cover is just bad news and you know DC has decided fuck that people are ready for the shit again and they've given us lenticular 3D die cut covers over the last two year year really just over the last year alone we've gotten all that shit from them and to be fair they look good they do look good, and and you know Lenticular what else? Lenticular technology has come a long it's come way. A long way it really has. 90s. It truly has. The books are the cardstock is much thinner. They don't feel like they have those ridges that, and grooves that they used to have. Uh, and, and here's the best part: DC's not upcharging on most of these books. 
you know, they're still three ninety nine. They're three ninety nine across the board. Some books are traditionally two ninety nine. Well, if you get the lenticular, now it's three ninety nine. But like Superman, a three ninety nine book is still going to be three ninety nine on with the lenticular cover. So that's cool. They're not trying to gouge you, really. This was a little bit of a topic for us over the weekend, um, talking about the five year out idea and. Uh, I just say overall in our, our household, there wasn't a lot of excitement for it, I guess. Um, Dylan's more the DC guy than I am. So, but just us talking about it, he was a little not excited about it. I think he was worried about, you know, he doesn't really necessarily care what the hell's going on in five years. So, I mean, I don't know how else. Other people are going to receive it. The actual Future's End story that takes place five years in the future is cool, because it's like an Elseworlds story. Dystopian future. It takes place all on its own. But forcing all these other titles mm-hmm. into doing it, even if the writers are like, oh, I have a cool idea where, where this character could be. Yeah, no one cares. Oh, I don't know. Eh, I don't give a shit. I'm sure some people care, but when I was at... The comic shop, it looked like there were a lot of lenticular covers sitting on the shelf. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the word is these things just aren't moving like they did last year. And, you know, so lesson learned. Probably next year you're not going to get this shit. They're going to have to come up with a a different different angle. Yeah, a different tactic. Last year there was, like, the... With, you know, the villains' stories, it was a lot of villain origins that you hadn't seen before. Yeah. No, everything's brand new to the new 52. Yeah. So I feel like there's more of a reason to pick up the books for the stories inside. Was that the first appearance of the new Lobo in the Villains Month thing? Was that from last year? Is that where that came from? No, I think he was released on his own. Okay. In one of those Earth 2 books this year. Oh, okay. Because apparently, doesn't he fight the the original Lobo or something coming up? Future's End. Is it, is it in Future's End month? I, I, I don't know where it is. I I know I'm he fights I saw a picture. In a logo, so when I see the picture, I'm like, yeah, don't care. Okay. But yeah, I know, I know the picture you're talking okay. about. He's holding the old Lobo's head yeah. in his hands. Yeah. And it looks like the head's still talking to him. Yeah. yeah I have mixed feelings on that. It's, um, it's going to be a good month financially for me because I get mostly DC books in this month. You're not no. going to partake in most? I'm probably not going to get any. I should make the stipulation that I will get Coffin Hill, which is a Vertigo book. Even though it's owned by DC Entertainment and DC Comics. It has the Vertigo name on it. So, But yeah, as far as Superman and Green Lantern and all that shit. Melvin. What's Marvel doing this this fall? I think they're killing Wolverine. Yep. Why are they killing Wolverine? He'll be back. Not like they haven't killed him off before. Well, they've already said he's going to be back. That's I, I. That's like I don't know. I don't know why they why they kill characters. Why they kill characters just to bring them back in two months? It's is it, this? It sort of makes it anticlimactic. I feel like this death of Wolverine story has been getting a lot of traction, but it's. It's been getting a lot of press because it's a good story, right? Not because of the spec, the um, spectacle of, oh, we're killing Wolverine. Uh, I wouldn't say it. I would say it's probably more than anything, oh, we're killing Wolverine. Oh, really? I still think that that shit 
has legs to the masses. You know, when you tell them, oh, we're killing a major character, it, it sells books. It's just the way it, it works, and it probably always will. Um, that's that's DC's gimmick next September. It's it's kill all the heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's what they'll, they'll do. do. Yeah. It'll be the death of Superman and then, again. And then the, just, the next September, the next September, it'll be the return of all the heroes. Yeah. I this is to me. This is just how they're going to reset the character. Currently, he doesn't have his healing factor. They can't figure out a good way to write it back in. They're going to kill him off. Someone's going to clone him or something, and he's going to come back, and he's going to be reset and ready to go again, and that's just going to be that. Really, it's a it's a four issue series. It, it's done in kind of a prestige format style with a ton of like bonus sketch work and and interesting kind of like behind the scenes information and everything. Um, the covers are. Uh, admittedly rather gimmicky. You know, they, the cover that I have here is kind of like foil stamped, um, much thicker cardstock. Um, cover price of $4.99. Not terrible considering normally it's a $3.99 book and you get literally a half, like a normal size comic with a normal size worth of bonus shit but for an extra buck. Would you rather have the option of paying? Three ninety nine to get it without it. I to would. get it without the extras. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would like that option, but honestly, with the amount of extra shit you get in this, and we're talking Steve McNiven artwork, we're not. You know, this isn't just like I. I don't know your your regular Wolverine artist, but Steve McNiven is one of the probably the current best comic book artists out there. Like, I feel like when you put him on a book. I thought you didn't like him because you said he was too stiff. I, yes, I'm not a huge Steve McNiven fan. Like, I like his work, but his stuff is too stiff. But I was looking at this new Wolverine story, and I feel like a lot of my criticisms of him are not present in this artwork. Maybe he's listening. Clearly he is listening (laughs) to to the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. podcast. And because I've always said he's very stiff, but, like, looking at this, there's, like, some really cool movement going on in his illustrations, I feel, that almost are, are vacant in most of his stuff. So that it was a really pleasant surprise. Uh, this is written by Charles Soule. Uh, Paul, I th- you, you've heard of him, right? Yeah, my man writes a lot of shit. I really wish he'd have got a better run at... Superman Wonder Woman because he was off to a, to doing some really good stuff. First three issues, best Superman since the New Fifty Two kicked off, and then he got roped into all the doomed storyline and all that. And I think he was forced into writing some stuff that he didn't really want to do. He was, was writing Superman. Dumb. He was writing Superman Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. And that was great. First three issues. Is he off great. of it now? Um, yeah, someone else is going to take over after this Doom crossover. Yeah, this Doom Which is thing a real shame, feels like he's it's, doing a great job with Apple. It feels like it's gone on too long, too. Yeah, I, feel, I keep waiting for it to be over. And every week, it still has the fucking Doom trade dress on yeah. it. But, um, I'm interested in, in the death of Wolverine. I think, based on... I wasn't going to get it when I was like, oh You my haven't God. read this issue yet. Haven't read it yet, but the art... The artwork looks really, really good. And that alone has me interested. 
I like McNiven. I've always liked his stuff. Uh, every time I think of Steve McNiven, I think of the Ultimate Captain Marvel series. Hmm. Interesting. I would not have expected that to be the thing you think of. He did Civil War, too, right? Civil War is the yeah. thing he's most known for, I would probably say. He also did... The first thing I ever saw him on was Marvel Knights 4, which was the Fantastic Four written by Mark Miller and drawn by Steve McNiven. And McNiven could only do so many issues until he flamed out, so I'm going to... right. But I'm going to say maybe... I don't know. Seven issues? Until he was done, and then they got a dude that tried to draw like him. You know how they do that a lot of times. The guy that follows the really successful one sort of draws like him, but it's like, no, it's not. That's not right. Uh, Ivan Reyes and Joe Prado do that a lot. Because Joe Prado's the anchor for Reyes all the time. And he can draw kind of like Reyes, but it's it's just not the same. Maybe it looks kind of like Reyes because he's inking it. No, Pencils by Joe Prado. Well, what I'm saying is, yeah, but when he... I mean, yeah, an anchor can up definitely style. put his stamp right. on, on Pencils. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, it's only four issues, so this is definitely a, a book that, you know, this isn't like a lifetime commitment like Future's End is, uh, being 52 issues. I, I certainly feel uh, less intimidated getting getting into a, um, a four-issue event. Especially yeah. when you know the character's going to die. So you're like, okay, there's not going to be any more after that. <laughs> Scott Snyder's Witches starts next month. It but does. it's available now on Comixology. For, for free. free. So if you have Comixology, folks, even though they're kind of stupid ever since Amazon bought them, check it out. Yeah, I think a few episodes ago I may have been a little harsh on Scott Snyder, but he's got a pretty good run of stuff. Like I liked all the American Vampire stuff I read, most of the Batman stuff. Dylan's loving the, the first half Vampire. of the week. Um, so yeah, I'll give uh, I'll give witches a try. Witches with a Y. Yep. Um. Also, uh, this fall, the the female Thor is going to make mm-hmm. her comic book debut. I believe her name is Thor. Uh, right. So, you feminist hater. The new Thor will be premiering this fall. The and new Thor. The new Thor. Why? What? What's happening to the old Thor? I don't know. What is happening to um Donald Blake? Is he still Donald Blake? <laughs> right. Still be Donald Blake. So, and the comics. I mean, I think it's worked it differently in the comics, but it works slightly differently in the comics than it has in the movie. But um, in the comics, it's whoever wields the hammer gets the power of Thor. In past Thors, it's just been they get his power, but they're still themselves. And other ones, it's been Thor takes over sort of the personality while he's in charge. So it's worked slightly differently isn't with that, different characters. Isn't that used to be, like, way back in the day when Thor was first introduced mm-hmm. that he was Donald Blake, and then he got this power that made him Thor? Yeah. I don't, Donald I don't Blake even originally. Know. I didn't yeah. read the original. And then they kind of flipped it as time went on so that he's Thor, but then he comes to Earth and just puts on this facade. 
I have no idea. I think they've changed it. I think they've changed it several times on how exactly it works. It's probably changed recently to more align with the movies because they tend to do that. And I don't necessarily like when they do that, but, um, yes. So, but the inscription on the hammer is just whoever's worthy gets to wield it. So it doesn't say you have to have a dick. So excited to see what our new Thor does. You going to get it? I am going to get it for sure. For sure. I will let you borrow it. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, Let's check it out. I want to see how they're going to handle all the mythology and everything. But I guess, you know, Thor makes... Thor will sell more books than uh, Valkyrie. Yeah. Or Beta Ray Bill. Probably. Two characters that are just as capable of Thor's doing Thor-type things that are being shunned to the bargain bin for a brand new Thor with tits. That's what they do. I'll always be a battery builder. He'll be back. The Thor, as you know, it will be back. That's the one thing that you can always walk away with. Who's going to come back first, Wolverine or Thor? Wolverine. Now, from what they're saying, is they're going to keep him gone for a few years, right? Maybe two years, something they're like totally that. They're going to break so that. That's when Apocalypse comes out mm-hmm. in two years. Yeah, that'll probably be it. I say they came before two that. years. Yeah, two years seems like a long time. I feel like they've oversaturated the character the so much that to make him really exciting again is to make him go away for a long time. I don't know if you take him away from the entire line. You took Spider Man away. Isn't there a book called Wolverine and the X Men? Yeah. Now it's going to be called the X Men. Dead Guy and the X Men. <laughs> is that book going away? I don't know. Do I look like Ian? Fuck. I don't Ian, you're not allowed to miss anyone. Such a valuable member of the podcast. What do we do without him? I, I just can't see them keeping Wolverine gone for two years. I think I, that I that's what they're saying, but I guarantee you they chicken out and change it. But I could see them rolling Thor into regular Thor again, eventually, and just keeping both characters around. Yeah, that's really what they're going to do with that, too. Thor will be... You know, it's all contingent on the movies, right? Because... <laughs> It feels like every time the movie rolls around, you got to bring the character back right in time. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Which is what's kind of nice about DC's comic lineup is that they don't make any movies. <laughs> so they're not beholden to certain time schedules of when they can kill and, you know, reanimate characters. So Avengers 2 comes out summer of 2015, right? Yep. Yeah. Next May, that's when Thor will be back. Yeah. Are you um, get Thor? No. No? No, I don't think so. Chick, not interested. Yeah, that's it. The only Thor I've actually read was John Michael Straczynski's Thor with Olivia Coipel in art where Asgard is hovering above Oklahoma. Oh, that was right before Siege, which was terrible. And that run on Thor was, like, it, it was... Like, I've read Thor and Avengers and different stuff, but I fucking love that book. It was really good, and Olivier Poipel's art is awesome. And they fucking used him to rope me into buying this this female X-Men book, and then he writes three issues and he's gone. And then he's out. I know, I was pissed about that, too. 
Because mm. I was like, oh, this art is amazing. I really, really like it a lot. And then it was... Eh. And they were still using his headshots yeah. of mm-hmm. some of the characters in the, like on in the front page. Spread, and I'm yeah. like, don't even fucking bother using these if he's not part of this book. Yeah. The uh, the Thor run that I've always wanted to check out, I never have yet, is the Walt Simonson run. Uh, Walt Simonson had an epic run on Thor that by many is considered kind of like the definitive version of Thor. And uh, I believe that they pulled quite a bit from the film versions of Thor from the Walt Simonson stuff. Um, Walt wrote and drew um, the, the book for dozens and dozens of issues. I don't know exactly how long his run was, but it was significant. I know there's an omnibus out, and it's fucking big. So... I really want to check that out. But he just came out with a new book that he writes and draws called Ragnarok, which looks like it's another, like, Nordic history or mythology kind of thing with a Thor character fighting some kind of Hydra serpent thing. Um, And that looked cool, too. So it's kind of nice to see him going back to his roots. I don't know why he didn't go back to Thor. I would think that if Walt Simonson went back to Thor... Oh, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe he's such an old-timer that it wouldn't sell. Like, because he was drawing some issues of, um, I think it was the Incredible Hulk there for a while. Recently? Yeah. And I don't think they sold all that well, because his art kind of is a bit dated, and, like, Paul probably would have hated it. Yeah, I don't like it. He's done some, he's done some DC covers over the last few years, and I'm like, ooh, yuck. Yeah, he, I think, was a, you know, kind of a disciple of Jack Kirby, and and he then influenced guys like Larson, and I I love that kind of style. Just tons and tons of energy. Yeah, that's, that's, I I don't like his style, I don't like his big square faces, and all of his eyes are squinty. I know. Unacceptable. Sounds dumb, but I, I can't get into it. Can't do it. So, um, before we wrap up this episode, there are two new series that are starting this fall that I'm personally very interested in. Uh, one I just learned about actually tonight, um, Men of Wrath by Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. Ron Garney is one of my favorite comic book artists and has been for years and years. Um, I buy pretty much anything he draws. Um, and then... Uh, Jason Aaron, who's kind of like the new hotness at Marvel right now, he's writing everything that's that's big shit, um, and he's he's writing this story, and apparently it's about a professional killer, um, and I guess he's kind of a hitman type character in in this story, um, and I don't really know the details of it other than like a little blurb that I read, but. Um, frankly, it doesn't matter. Is Icon a Marvel? Yeah, Icon is a Marvel imprint. It's, it's a creator-owned kind of thing, so anything goes. Sort of, yeah. Like, um, I know that some Ed Brubaker things have fallen under that imprint. Mark Millar has fallen under that imprint. And then Brian Michael Bendis with Powers has fallen under that imprint. As a matter of fact, I feel like when Powers went from Image Comics to Marvel... That's what started Icon. I feel like Powers was the book that launched that line. Um, so usually you have some pretty gritty, 
storytelling. Uh, you know, you can swear, you can show boobs or whatever. It's kind mm-hmm. of like anything goes. Um, the other thing is, and I know you guys are all super excited, the return of Little Depressed Boy. Oh, Coming back to comics. Back. October 1st. Um, Didn't even know we left. Well, yeah, he, he is that inconspicuous a character, yeah. Uh, the the new series, uh, starting at, at number one, uh, subtitled Supposed to Be There too. No idea what that means, but this is picking up right after where the, the previous series ended, which, a little depressed boy, things are looking up for him. He wasn't so depressed. He had a job which was, he liked, but kind of shit on him a little bit. He had some... Some uh, friction with another co-worker. I think his name was Clinton. Clinton. If you talk like... Um, Can't believe one anyone would have a problem with Little Depressed Boy. Episode of... Uh, was it What Not to Wear? Wasn't that dude's name Clinton on that show? Yep. Anyway. Um, so he's he's got a girlfriend that he likes, but apparently the girl that he originally liked when the series first started comes back into his life, so who knows what's going to happen, some kind of upheaval, upheaval in his life. Um, same creative team as before. Uh, Paul, your friend, um, uh, I, I'm drawing... Struble, Stephen S. S. Stephen Struble. S. Stephen Struble will be writing and, and coloring and lettering, just as before, with uh, Cena Grace drawing the pictures. Um not the most well-written or the prettiest book, but there's just something about it that, like, captures my, my heart and my attention. So I can't wait for the next issue. Can't wait for the return. Hey, maybe, you know what? Maybe uh, the artwork that I did will be in that issue, because S. Stephen oh, Struble yeah. said, maybe. can oh, I run this yeah. artwork in a future issue of LDB? And I said, yes. Maybe that'll be the issue that I buy. There you go. Darcy, what are you looking forward to this fall? Um, I, well, I, we talked about female Thor I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm going... Thorella? Thorella. Um, it's just Thor, okay? I know, it's the new it's Thor. It's the new Thor. <laughs> um, I'm going to, they're already out, um, but I let Dylan be, my time is very precious. I don't, is know, it? I don't have a lot of time, you know? So I have my official comic book sample reader for me, Dylan Mahaffey. <laughs> he goes in, he reads some stuff, he, you know, weeds out what I like, what I don't like. Um, and you're comfortable with his judgment? I am. He knows me pretty well. So um, I'm going to uh, pick up the American Vampire, and I'm also going to look at the Witches, and um, hoping that they don't disappoint me like the Wake did. Hey, Last five issues of the week. Let's give credit where it's due. Those first, first five. five first five. Last one. Um, so that's that. I'm going to keep picking up what I've recently picked up. Um, maybe I'll read the five-year future one since everyone else isn't. And then... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just joking. I'm not yeah, going to. Yeah, you um, and I'm looking forward to the day when Paul McGinty says, Darcy, this DC comic is, is good and you should read it. Because right now, all the ones that you've told me to get, you then have retracted on and said, I, don't, don't do it, don't do it. I, yeah, I did that about Sensational Comics, what a load of dog shit. So. Batman and Robin, however, 
Best book DC's printing. Alright. Best book in their lineup. And I don't think they're taking a break this month either. That stuff is amazing. Aquaman's been good too. I know people roll their eyes when I say Aquaman. Aquaman's been really cool. Who's rolling their eyes? Uh, Everyone but two of us. Three of us at this table. There it is. No, when I I say Aquaman, everyone's like, Aquaman? Because until Carl Drogo, Carl Drogo plays him in the fucking movie, everyone's going to think Aquaman's just a dumb guy that talks to fish. Uh, One last clarification before we go. Uh, Witches that's available on Comixology is just a preview of Witches. It's only eight pages. It's still free, but it's just a preview. I'm sorry I got everybody excited. Um, We'll forgive you. Yeah. Already forgiven. And on that note, we're going to wrap up this endless issue episode of the McSauce Podcast. Darcy, thanks for uh, coming and filming with me. Thanks for having me over. I know it was short notice. Sorry, I, I didn't live up to the the gap left by Ian. You more than made up to the gap left by one minute. Why me? I mean you. My name is Paul Gitzel. I'm Matt Casal. And we'll see you next week. Check one two one, one two. two. Labia, labia. One two. Why labia? I don't know. It just popped in there. <laughs> <laughs>